Welcome everyone to Audiobooks from Hell. I am your host, Sean Drager, and I'm very excited about uh, about today's show. Uh, it, it's been Women in Horror Month, and I'm awful at planning these shows out because I never know when, <laughs> when I'm going to post the shows. But I'm glad that we got one in, <laughs> one woman on the show before <laughs> the month's over. Um, but uh, my, my guest today is, uh, is Sadie Hartman. Um, who is uh who founded co-founded Nightworms? So Sadie, welcome to Audiobooks from Hell. Hi, it's nice to be here. I am the woman of horror. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm the one. Yeah, the, the um no, it's it's fantastic. And I I actually found out about you um because I saw I was turned on to Nightworms, this uh this subscription service for for horror uh books and. Uh, I absolutely fell in love with you what, with what you guys are doing and it is since it is february i was like i need you know i need to try to get more women on the show anyway and um i was like well nightworms isn't audiobooks but it's still horror adjacent and there's you know horror in the title of the podcast you know or well this hell it works so, it works so it all works <laughs> yeah no um that's really cool so you're a subscriber or yeah 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 I, uh, probably six months now i think wow thanks remember. thank yeah, you for supporting us that's awesome it was one of those things where it like popped up on instagram or something and i was like what is this and normally i don't really do subscription boxes i'm like well i i'll try and then i kind of get bored of them totally and i was like eh, and i was like well this is like right up my alley um i don't know when i'm gonna have time to read any of this stuff but like the books and just little the packages put together it just made for a fun and it was you know year of COVID. So I was like, I need something to lift my spirits <laughs> every month. So yeah. that was, it was definitely it. Yeah. We did grow a lot during the pandemic. Actually, we mm-hmm. thought, we thought it was going to be complicated because we weren't really sure if all the wheels were going to keep turning. Like were the publishers going to still print books? Were the printers still going to be able to print? Like, you know, what, what was going to happen? We weren't really sure. So, yeah. um, it was interesting to say the least that, uh, it just grew, you know, people were like, oh, I can't go to bookstores. I can't go to the local library. You know, uh, here's the subscription service that delivers Mm -hmm. horror right to my door. So yeah, that's what, that's, that's how we grew. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, and it's wonderfully curated. I think that's like the main key because there's been like horror movie subscription services, like for Blu-rays and stuff. And, you know, they're kind of like, well, whatever they can get their hands on. And it's, you know, the quality of the movies you get, you know, are hit or miss. For Nightworms, it's like every month has been just a joy to open. And it's books like they're either books I've been like have on my list of that I want to check out um, or authors I've been meaning to check out. And it's all like in the independent writer horror community, correct? Or I mean, Mostly. Yeah. So I did tweet the other day, yesterday, in fact, that we did 17 independent books um, from publisher, independent publishers uh, over the year, over 2020. Um, but we did have some traditionally published books mm-hmm. too. Like we did, um, you know, Eden by Tim Levin, which was Titan. Um, yes. We had uh, Mexican Gothic and, you know, we did Mallory. So we did like, you know, some bigger titles and stuff just to just to make sure that we were covering all of horror traditionally mm-hmm. and independently published. Um, but yeah, it was it was really cool to support some of those struggling yeah. small publishers. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk about this quite a bit 
on on this show because I mainly the authors um, that I have on have all been so far, you know, independently published for the most part. Um, it was some, they've dabbled, you know, some have dabbled here and there. I know that Adam Caesar, I keep talking about him. I'm trying to get him on the show. Hey, Adam, if you're watching, let's talk. Uh, <laughs> hey, Adam. <laughs> um, you know, of course, with Clan Clown in the Cornfield was kind of like, you know, my, my daughter went nuts when she saw that book and she's like, dad, have you heard about this? And I was like, well, actually I'm Twitter friends with Adam. <laughs> you know? She said that. Yeah. She, her and her friends had, um, been talking about it. They saw it like they're huge fans of it, of the, the movie. And then I, yeah, I, let yeah. her, I let her read the book. Um, you know, I was like, well, there's, I go, there's problematic things in the book, but you're 15. You'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, um, I read that book when I was 13. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was like, I was reading Stephen King at that age. I was like, it'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. Um, but she's a huge fan of the film. And of course, you know, um, brilliant marketing, like it's just a, a brilliant idea and the timing was right, you know, for a clown in a cornfield. And, um, and then that, you know, that, that book has just taken off and, and everything. So, yeah, um, we actually had an Adam Caesar book in our, one of our earlier packages. Mm -hmm. Uh, we did tribesmen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which little, is uh, really cool. Good little cannibal horror for everybody. <laughs> Right. That's a cannibal. Horror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, you know, a movie. It's just like cannibal Holocaust. I keep hearing, but I've never seen the movie because I'm too much of a chicken. So, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, I mean, I can get it from books. The cannibalism isn't the worst part of cannibal Holocaust. Uh, I guess you could say um, interesting film to say the least. All, all those like Italian horror, like cannibal films are all crazy. Yeah. Um, like, for me, they've always been kind of one and done. So I'm like, I've seen it, you know, but, um, so, so when, what did you, what started the seed of, of Nightworms? Was there, did you, what kind of, you know, brought the idea to you? Yeah. Um, how, yeah. Did, how did it all get started? Um, it's kind of an interesting origin story actually, because, um, my business partner, Ashley and I were both reps for, um, the original, a horror subscription company, which was called um, Nocturnal Reader Box. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Nocturnal Reader Box, but um, they, it's an, it, that's an, a long story. Um, they, they kind of launched into um, the Bookstagram arena. Um, they kind of parachuted in. They weren't really like part of the community, but they just kind of brought their business into the Bookstagram community with a horror subscription and a bunch of people subscribed to it. Ashley and I were chosen as reps. Um, we would get the package every month and they did really good for a long period of time. And then they just stopped. Um, like delivering. They just, they just up and quit. Like they were saying that they were suffering through some different issues and situations and they would update customers and whatnot. And then they even released like a couple um, pre-orders for a, a signed Stephen King through Cemetery Dance with a slipcase and all this like original stuff that they were doing. And they kept taking money from people. Oh. And then they just kind of blew the whole show. So they just bailed and I think they moved to like Vietnam or something like that. Oh and, and they had lawsuits from like various different publishers, like indie publishers. Um and Brian Keene actually has like a whole couple podcast shows about the whole situation. But when they left, there was this huge void in the horror community of this like 
need of people who still wanted to get a subscription package dedicated to adult readers. Cause mm-hmm. so many subscription packages for readers is geared towards young adult. Um, right. So we just wanted to fill that niche and um, Ashley and I had always kind of wanted to do a business together and I lived in California and then I moved to Washington where she lives. And then we just decided like, let's just do this subscription package model. It seems it seems like we know what we're doing, having been reps for the company. Um, so yeah, that that's where it started. Awesome. You know, it's, yeah. it's funny the, the horror, the whole horror community, you know, cause I'm kind of involved in two, I'm involved in the horror film community. And then there's oh, uh-huh. horror uh, author reader community. Like, there's almost like two separate passionate communities that kind of intersect every now and then. But I, right. I've noticed like they are two kind of distinct <laughs> um, communities, and um, it's pretty fascinating to kind of have my toe in both, my toe in both, my foot in both, my feet. Yeah. In both. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mixed uh, metaphor. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll mix them all up, <laughs> throw them all in there, um, because I'll. Because I'll see, because I see a lot of people talking about, you know, certain in the film community talking about movies. There's drama and back behind the scenes drama, and here's this director's doing this. Yeah. Um, same kind of stuff in the book community with authors yeah, and, and things. And um, but a lot of the film community haven't read the horror books, and a lot of the horror readers and authors haven't seen some of the movies. Like I'll see, like Brian King, Brian Keen, just finally watching a movie that I've heard about for the past few years. Do you? I mean. Do you find that those intersections with the, uh, you know, with the people that subscribe or with your own friends or, I mean. Yeah. So the, so there is definitely a distinction because um, like if you're on the bookstagram community in the horror genre, uh-huh. um, the hashtag horror belongs to movies. Um, right. It, if you click on that, it's all about movies. There's nothing about books in that hashtag, really. Um, so we've made the distinction of hashtagging our photos for horror with uh, hashtag horror fiction, um, okay. just to make that distinction. Plus, the horror hashtag got banned. Um, <laughs> you know, like if you click on it, you would, you eventually would kind of dig a little deeper and see that the movies are tagged there, but it gives you like a warning or something because oh. it's so graphic or <laughs> whatever Instagram deems graphic. Yeah. Um, and so on Twitter though, I do see a lot more of the crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm a weirdo because I'm afraid of watching horror movies. <laughs> like I'm traumatized by a lot of horror movies. So my husband and I, are, we don't really go to them. Yeah. And then when we do, we end up watching like the worst ones that are the <laughs> most scary and like completely ruin ourselves for watching them for years at a time. Right. Um, like we saw Hereditary whenever oh, that man. came out two or three years ago. Yeah. And I was like, okay, we're done. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> I mean, going. that thing's a doozy. Like Hereditary is an right? absolute doozy. Um, yeah, felt- that thing fucked me up. I- yeah, I felt like we were in the shallow end of the pool and then somebody just like dropped us yeah. into the deep end. It was terrifying. Especially when the scene happens. Yes. The major shocker scene. You're like, oh, yes. okay, well, let me go pour a whiskey. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, no, the last 20 minutes of that movie, like I was climbing up the back of the chair. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And then we also watched the other Ari Aster um, movie, the the midsummer mm-hmm. and and that one too really fucked me up for like <laughs> too long yeah you know? that 
Yeah, I mean, that's what's so interesting is because like um, the ability for us to be scared with different mediums, like it almost there's almost like a different, you know, a, a different part of our brain operating. Yeah. Even though we're even though we're consuming horror, uh, it's it's definitely different. And I think that for me, books scared me more than films because films I knew, oh, it's a special effect. They're actors. I kind of I got the filmmaking aspect. But books, like I, I mentioned, Pet Cemetery, you know, on the last episode, because Stephen King was kind of my, you know, he was my, uh, he was my introduction into kind of horror fiction, like most most people, I think. But um, his books and Pet Cemetery, especially, like, really tapped into something and scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. And I haven't, yeah. with, with the exception of a few movies, I haven't gotten that out of very many movies. Maybe like The Exorcist hereditary there's certain ones i can think of but um so how did you specifically get into horror so if horror films you know you're not you don't want to visit horror films but you you know your 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 name on twitter is mother horror and you do all this horror you know <laughs> yeah fiction um what what brought you into that what was kind of your little uh, your gateway drug in, into horror and yeah it definitely wasn't movies that's for sure <laughs> i i went to a sleepover where they were showing freddy krueger and i was like okay i'm going to dip out like <laughs> no thank you um so my mom is a huge reader and she had a huge collection of stephen king and ann rice and peter straub and you know, even like horror adjacent, like Agatha Christie and stuff mm. like that. And so I just would binge read all of her books of what was available to me. And then books were often rewards in our household too. So like mm. if we got good grades on a report card or whatever, we would get to go to the bookstore and pick out books. And so I started getting into horror like really young. Um, you know, like I would read even before I was reading Stephen King and Peter Straub and stuff, I was picking out books at the store for kids that was kind of spooky. Like, um, um, now I can't think of the author's name, but he has like the Edward Gorey covers on the front. Um, and it's like a little kid who goes and stays with his grandpa or his uncle or whatever. And all this like crazy stuff, John Belair's, John Belair's books. Um, so I read that kind of stuff when I was really little and then Stephen King, you know, I read Salem's Lot when I was 12 or 13, and then on to all of the rest of his books. Went through the Dark Tower series with my mom when I was in high school, and we would have to wait like six years between books. Like, I always tell new readers now that are reading Stephen King, I'm like, you're really lucky you can binge the whole series right now. Like, we had to wait freaking years between, yeah. you know, some of these books. Like, the the last book. I mean, hell, you know, yeah. Oh, for, it was forever for the last book. And oh, my like, God. You know, even Game of Thrones, people are still waiting for the last book. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then if that book ever comes out and people get to read the whole thing, you know, we'll be like, yeah, well, we had to wait 12 years before <laughs> that last book came out. Um, so, yeah, so my mom turned me on to horror. And then, you know, it's almost like Stephen King is your gateway to everything mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. because I ha- even though he has some new releases, like I haven't even dipped into those yet because I'm busy reading yeah. independent horror and, and other stuff. So it's good. Do you, do you feel like we're kind of in another little kind of a renaissance period for horror fiction? Because I, yeah. I don't know if it's just because I've gotten into the audiobooks, so I am reading more and my audiobooks are kind of horror adjacent, you know, horror science fiction 
uh, fantasy, but I, I, you know, I hover around the horror most, mostly, or try to anyway. Um, but I've seen like kind of this boom in like the indie pub publishers. I mean, Grindhouse Press, um, uh, Severed Press. There's kind of, and I mean, we're seeing it. We are seeing kind of a, a, a boom in these, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would agree with you. I don't know if it's like kind of like you were saying that intersection between movies and books, but I think movies are derivative of books and then books are, you know, kind of riding on those coattails of what the movies are doing at the box office. So if horror is like the thing that's getting people to go to the movies um, and inspiring like young generations, and then they see that like, oh, that movie was based on a book, they'll go get the book. And mm -hmm. then if there's book readers who are getting really interested in horror and they make a movie out of it, they'll go see the movie. So they're like influencing each other mm -hmm. and horror is really um, getting this, I don't know, it's almost like a second wave. Like yeah. when you mentioned like Grindhouse, there's really kind of like this um, page limit on Grindhouse books where they don't really go over like that sweet mm -hmm. spot of like, it's usually like less than 300 pages. Yeah. So they're these like really tightly written short uh, narratives. Whereas like if you look in the eighties when Stephen King was super popular, those books are fucking huge. I know. <laughs> Who has time for that? So it's cool that we could just like, da -da 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 -da, like mm -hmm. be reading all these, all this horror that's coming out and it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's until uh, A.S. Coomer's birth of a monster comes out. I think he's coming out <laughs> on Grindhouse. That thing is like, he slammed two books together i think oh god and i'm gonna be narrating it and i looked at the word count and i go dude this is like a 22 hour audiobook yeah <laughs> oh my god that's so intimidating i mean i just read christopher triana's um the 13th coyote which is like the thickest splatter western yeah. of all of them but it didn't feel like it i mean mm -hmm. you know how some epic books it just they need that much time to explore um the multiverse and this mm -hmm. one just is very detailed and like intricately plotted. So there's a yeah. lot of shit to go over. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, it's worth it, but it's not like, you know, some of Stephen King's work is so like, I mean, he's a favorite author of mine. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but it's very padded. Like the stand is very padded. He goes on these kind of like, all right, and we're with this character for the next, <laughs> you know, however long. Or oh, and oh, now we're and back I have, to the plot, you know. Yeah, like the unabridged stand, the first like introduction or whatever, the whole that if there's like a hundred pages added <laughs> to the introduction, you're like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, like with I think with horror specifically in in movies and fiction, I think horror, like the sweet spot for a good horror flick, hour and thirty, maybe yep. hour and twenty. It's like that's it. And that's what, you know, Grindhouse Press is kind of, and even the Splatter Westerns yeah. had, have kind of um, Death Heads, Death Heads Presses, Splatter Westerns. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you want to, you want to read it, jump in, read something really quick, have a good little fun time, you know, reading a, a little slice of horror and then you move on to the next one. Whereas, yeah. yeah, the bigger books, you're like, okay, well, I got, this is like an investment. I got to invest my time into this. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and yeah, and I'm the same way with, with you know with audiobooks. I, I see I'm just finishing up or finished one up that was like twenty something hours, some dark fantasy. Um, it was good, but holy moly, you do have to kind of like set aside time because it's a lot to invest in. <laughs> That's a lot of time, and audiobooks are really hard for me. Like mm -hmm. I downloaded um, Nick Cutter released 
like a, a it's called the breach and it was just on audible. Like there, there is no book format and I think it's going to be a show or a movie or something. Okay. Um, so I had to have it like Nick Cutter's one of my <laughs> favorite authors, but to invest in listening to it. I mean, I saw it was like six hours or whatever, and, and mm-hmm. I can only listen to an audio, you know, when I'm jogging or walking or whatever. And it's taken yeah. me forever to finish. Cause yeah. I just don't, I don't have that well, time. We're, and I think, you know, we, we've all been kind of stuck at home. I feel like some people are saying like, Oh, there's a boom in audiobooks. They're selling like crazy. Cause more people are home. I'm like, I'm listening to less audio. And that's why I decided to start doing yeah. a video for this. Cause I feel like people will sit and watch something, but we all have less time to kind of have headphones on and specifically yeah. listen to something. I can't cause I'm, I'm in a house with four other people, you know, yep. my, my wife's working from here. The kids are going to school. And so I can never put my headphones in. So I have to like make time to like, I'm going to go on a walk. Get a podcast in or get a, you know, chip away the audiobook where I used to commute. So I feel, so I, so I feel like a lot more people are picking up actual physical copies of books, um, and, and reading more, which is why we've seen kind of these, this uptick in, you know, these publishers, people are actually, they're actually moving either physical or, or Kindle copies. Yeah. Um, so you recently, so I want to dive in a little bit of your, of your history. Cause you, you've done reviews, um, kind of like book reviews and things like that. Um, and, and you've done some writing as far as that goes. You, you think you just uh, dropped your top 20 um, horror for 2020. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is, man, that list is so good. Um, so what kind of brought you into into that? Do you do you write fiction or have you just been like more in the kind of reviewer side of things? What, what brought you into all that? Yeah, um, I think like going back um, when Goodreads, I think it, I, I joined Goodreads in like 2012. And mm-hmm. so my mom convinced me to get on there. And so we were kind of writing reviews for each other. You know, like she would read my reviews and I would read her reviews and we would get picks for each other. Um, and then I started noticing that like people were following me on Goodreads, you know, so it wasn't just my mom and I, there were other people who were like picking up recommendations. And then Instagram, I noticed there was the community bookstagram and I joined that and had this dedicated Instagram account for just posting books and talking about books and reviewing. And then from there, um, Cemetery Dance and Scream Magazine both invited me to write book review- reviews for their platforms. So I did that for like two years um, before I started kind of branching out into some other freelance writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized like, you know, there's a real freelance writing market out there for different platforms who are sharing content, you know, so I'm writing for Lit Reactor and Tor Nightfire. Um, I sold an article to Fangoria last year, Um, you know, just, just kind of um, talking about what you're already passionate about Mm -hmm. and then selling it to a platform who is also, you know, reaching an audience for horror. So um, I do that. And then I, I used to dabble more into fiction writing, um, but it's just not for me. Like, I just, I don't know how authors do it, honestly. Like, <laughs> I'm on the reviewing critical side, but then that's why I feel like I'm so, I'm so sensitive to, to authors and so kind of like protective of them because yeah. having written my own stuff and put it out there for people to 
criticize like I do. (laughs) That's hard, you know, and, and, and you put all that work and effort and thought and feeling into a project and then to have somebody just kind of like shit on it would, would be really hard. So, yeah, I, I feel the same way. Um, I used to try to write, I mean, I, I'm, I always, am like, I want to write. And then I try to write and I feel like I'm a decent writer, but it's so daunting to me. I couldn't imagine how anyone could sit down. I mean, and write, even write like a good review, you know, cause I'm always thinking like, you know, it's so much, and it's so much easier to shit on something when you're reviewing yeah. something, Yeah. but like to be, to get it in the critical space, you know, the critical thought and trying to like, all right, well, here's what works with the story. Here's what doesn't. And do that when you're, and, and not be an asshole. Like that takes a lot of, uh, I think it takes a lot of talent. <laughs> so, well, and see, in my opinion, it's really hard to write a negative review and my uh, editor, maybe I'm just at- an asshole. <laughs> Yeah, maybe you just suck. No. <laughs> You're mean. <laughs> no, my editor, my editor at Scream wants us to have like one or two star reviews sometimes. He doesn't just yeah. want five and four star reviews, yeah. which for me, it's like I don't promote those. You know, I'll read them and I'll write them and yeah. I'll put them on Goodreads and Amazon and stuff, but I don't promote that because I just who wants to read what they shouldn't be reading? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, don't people yeah. want to know what they should be reading? Exactly. Um, so those I just kind of let let fall by the wayside, and whoever wants to pick that up can pick that up. Um, but for Scream, he wants those one and two star reviews, and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> how am I going to do this? Because I don't typically pick up books that I think are not going to work for me either. So I yeah. don't really read, you know, outside of what I know to already be good. I don't know. It's 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 a fine balance to to yeah. find it what works for you and what doesn't in the review space. Yeah. And when I was, I was trying to review movies for a while and I would be sent things that I didn't like had no interest in watching. And I'm like, I know that I'm going to watch this. I'm probably going to hate it. Yeah. And then I have to write a negative review on it. And I don't like yeah. that. <laughs> no. And and typically I don't waste my time on books that I'm not right. enjoying either. Cause I have too much to read, you yeah. know? So it's like, if I if I don't finish it, then I don't feel qualified to leave a review. So yeah, sometimes I have to force myself to pull out a one or two star, and I don't like doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I mean, so I mean, that's the cool. That's I think that's what's cool about your story, especially is because you gained kind of this following and this reputation through like Bookstagram, which is you know uh, people I get what this. I'm reading this right now and here's what I think about it, right? On Instagram. I mean, hashtag. yeah, basically, <laughs> basically it's just it's we're book nerds and we're yeah. very weird. We're very <laughs> weird. Like, you know, we used to talk about how embarrassing it is to be caught out in public like taking a picture of a book cuz here you are, oh, this <laughs> fall tree is so pretty. I'm going to hold my book up to it and yeah. like take a little picture and then then you kind of look around like who's watching me do this? <laughs> um so yeah, we're all a bunch of dorks. So um funny. But yeah, I was in that, I, or I've been in that space for five years mm-hmm. um, and just kind of getting to know that community, which is a very different community than what book Twitter um, yeah. is and the horror space there. Cause that's, that's all, that's almost like forward thrusting of promotion and just kind of like snippets of information and it's not very visually uh, oriented. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, there, there are two sides of a different coin. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, you've, you've built friendship, built up friendships with, with authors. Um, yeah. and you said you've been on, have you been on Brian Keene's podcast? I know that you, 
you interact with Brian King quite a bit and he's, you know, he's like, he's a splatter punk God, you know? Yeah. Brian. (laughs) So Brian is, he's like a mentor Mm -hmm. in a way. Um, I haven't been on the podcast yet, but, um, he's, he's more of like somebody who I look up to in a way that he has like navigated the industry with this Mm -hmm. wisdom and just this kind of like, uh, a Jedi master type of persona where he just like is very kind and uplifting and a strong presence in the community, but he also doesn't really take a lot of bullshit. And, and you know that, I mean, anytime you come into a community and you start getting attention, you know, if anytime like you start making waves or people are listening to you or whatever, like you're bound to start making, um, different camps of people. So you have people who like you and like your content and enjoy what you're doing. And then you have people who don't like you Mm -hmm. and you know, that creates tension and drama and stress in your life. And anytime you have humans thrown together in a community, there's going to be drama. And so he's helped me navigate uh, through some of that stuff. Yeah. Cause I've, I've, I've seen some of that from, you know, just outside looking in and, and, it, it, the the example that I think he he leads in those types of scenarios is like, all right, let's talk this over. Let's everyone here we go. Let's come together. Let's you know, and, um, and that I think that's a rare gift. I think you know people, uh, certain people just have that, and he definitely, you know, um, I always saw the name Brian Keane with like just you know, batshit crazy you know horror novels. Um, yeah, but the you know, but most you know most horror fans, horror writers, horror filmmakers, we're all just nerds. <laughs> we're all just I know nerds. <laughs> we're all nerds, really. Yeah, um, yeah. There's just different levels of of involvement in the community, yeah. and he's been in it. Like he'll post pictures of you know, oh, here's me with these group of people in this group. I mean, it's decades and decades of time in that genre. And then I've really, really been around on Twitter and engaging with authors and the community and stuff on that level for like three years. Mm -hmm. So I'm a newbie, you know, (laughs) I, I'm still just kind of getting my, my feet wet and in a sense, uh, over there. So he's been super helpful. Gabino Iglesias is another one that's been super helpful. Um, and then just like solid rock women who have like been in this no nonsense position for a really long time, like Linda Addison, Becky Spratford, Ellen, Ellen Datlow, like they've all been instrumental in just like offering me help and, and like talking to me behind the scenes about different things and helping nightworms and being supportive. There's just, there's a lot of supportive people in the industry that do behind the scenes work Mm -hmm. that, you know, are instrumental in, in uplifting the community. So yeah, that's been cool to them. I do want to talk a little bit about, um, women authors in the horror space, um, and women authors in general, because I was talking with Anna Mossacat. She's a author for, um, a cyberpunk book that I'm narrating right now called behind blue eyes. Uh-huh. And, um, in our conversation, I don't think this was recorded. I think this is when we were first meeting. She's, she, and she does a really great job of marketing herself and her books. Um, and that's, that's kind of what brought her to my attention was just how, uh, just a bang up job she did marketing herself and yeah. she said that like she goes you know women writers we have to almost be <laughs> the best at marketing because that's the only way we can really get our get attention 
um, as opposed to being because you know sci-fi and you think of like sci-fi and horror. Well, that's you know there's men, you know it's a man space. Yeah, um, you know, but but she said you know, when she said that to me, I thought that was very interesting to think about because you know I mean she's done such a great job of it that I didn't even think about that. But um, she said it's it's always like running, you know, going uphill all the time. Um, for her is how she feels. So she feels she has to push back harder. Do you, have you had conversations like that with, uh, with, with, uh, women authors that you've talked to or. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that that's the, the consensus among all women, even women who are in like the review space, because if you look at a lot of podcasts and people talking about books, those are a lot of dudes sitting around talking about horror too. Yeah. And so then you have women who want to sit around and talk about horror. I mean, we're, we're fans too. I mean, this was prevalent in, in the bookstagram community as well. Mm-hmm. You would look through the Stephen King book fan hashtag or whatever, and it was all dudes showing, you know, their Stephen King collection. And here comes all these girls with like, here's our Stephen King collection. And it's just like, but are you really fans? You know, they would like <laughs> kind of gatekeep it a little yeah. bit. Um, and so, yeah, so I think women do have a hard time um, just being validated in their work um especially especially in like extreme horror circles like whenever whenever people are talking about extreme horror it's always like a laundry list of like all the dudes like skip inspector and brian Keane and edward lee and like you know it just goes down the list it's all a bunch of dudes Mm -hmm. but um there's some women out there like you know kath koja is a freaking grandmaster of a freaking weird ass, creepy body horror, extreme bloody sick stuff. Mm-hmm. And she needs to be, you know, recognized for that. Um, and so, yeah, so marketing like as hard and then getting in that space and then just having guys kind of elbow you out. Mm-hmm. I have seen that when I, when I walked into the review space on Twitter, there were guys who have been doing it for a lot longer than me. And, you know, I don't think they really appreciated the fact that there was a woman coming in here and talking about the genre. Like she knew what the fuck she was talking about. (laughs) And I got a little bit of the elbow squeeze, like you're in our space, get out. You know, I don't think you know what you're talking about or, Oh, if you don't like that, you know, they would go over my reviews and be like, Oh, well, if you don't like, you know, books about dead babies being, (laughs) you know crushed on rocks then you're not really a horror fan you know or if you haven't read lovecraft you're not really a horror fan you know that kind of bullshit yeah that that doesn't fly yeah and that that whole gatekeeping kind of stuff always you know rubs me the wrong way because you know i did come into horror a little bit late mainly because of my upbringing i was a very strong christian upbringing and that was not allowed so i had to kind of navigate and yeah, kind of was late, a little bit late to the game compared to some others, especially to movies. So books were kind of my in to in, into horror because I could smuggle those in my backpack uh, from the library without my parents seeing. But, yeah. um, but um, but I've seen you know, but we're all kind of on our little discovery journey. So when I see you know, you see guys all the time saying like, "Well, I'm watching, um, I don't know, I'm watching Halloween for the first time," you know, and you know, no one really cares. And then you have, right. a, you know, then you have a woman saying like, oh, I'm, I'm watching, you know, army of darkness for the first time or something. And then like, Oh, oh I, I can't believe you haven't seen that. What did you know here? <laughs> yeah. And they like all of a sudden guys are like, well, let me tell 
okay, little girl, let me tell you how it's supposed to be. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Oh, this is the thing right here. (laughs) That's the stuff. I mean, every single woman of horror list that comes out on any major platform um, on the internet always leads off with Anne Rice, Mary Shelley, Shirley Jackson. It's like, these women, you know, we hear them all the time. Yeah. There are a slew of women out there who are putting out good work. Like, yeah. let's really take a deeper dive and not just name the same three women all the time. You I, know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I almost feel like women especially have such a fantastic perspective on horror themselves, especially body horror. I mean, I'm, I'm married. I have three kids. I've seen some shit. I, yeah. I, you know, and I'm like, um, like, uh, I think women would maybe know better and, or may, may be, uh, <laughs> able to write more cringeworthy stuff, you know, if we just give them the space, because that's the thing, like, you know, there's never been, uh, you know, like, and I think, uh, I think the two major categories, genres that, that seem to be, or had been kind of a boys club have been like science fiction, and and horror um you know cyber you know cyberpunk is a very and i'm i'm just in it right now cuz i'm narrating it but that's a very kind of male dominated space you know yeah. you know um cuz it's a, there's a sexy robot um <laughs> but yeah um but i but i i've never but i feel like um i don't know where i'm going i'm rambling all of a sudden no you were on the right vein like i i definitely agree that <laughs> You know, women, you know, I remember reading a book. My mom gave me a book when I was 16 or 17 or whatever. And she was like, you have to read this book. And it was called uh, The Gift of Fear. And it was written by a cop. And the cop was basically telling women, like, we need to listen to our gut instincts more. Like, so often in society, we're told to be polite and be nice when our gut instinct is telling us that something is cringy or wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, a woman will get into an elevator and a man will be like, oh, hold the door or whatever. And you immediately have this red flag about his looks or, like, his presence. And we're supposed to be like, oh, don't judge people like that or whatever. So you're like, oh, okay, even though you have that red flag – you go ahead and let him in. Um, same thing with like being in a dark parking lot. You don't want to mm-hmm. seem like you're weak. So you don't, you know, pull out your pepper spray because you don't want people to see you being scared. But you should because you're in a yeah. dark parking lot. And so women, we are already on the defense. We're already prey. You know, there's predator and there's prey. We're definitely prey. And so we walk around with this fear. And so, yeah, in order to write horror, we're tapping that fear. We're tapping, like you said, that body horror of what happens to our bodies when there's a baby inside of it, like invading Mm -hmm. our actual body. (laughs) It's pretty weird. I remember like standing in the shower one time during my first pregnancy and looking down at my belly, which was (laughs) rippling because my kid was like rolling around in there. And I was just looking at my like big old belly with this like wave. It was just out of body. Like, you're just like, what the hell is right. happening? <laughs> you know? It's pretty weird. Um, so yeah, just, we tap all that stuff, um, to write horror and to read it and respond to it. And, and women need to express themselves, you know, and men need to listen <laughs> for lack yeah. of better words. I agree. <laughs> what, what have been some of your, um, 
I'm gonna put you on the spot. If if, if you can't name names, fine. Or, or, you know, if, if you can't think of the names. But what are some of your favorite um, female authors right now? Like if you are, so it's it's Women in Horror Month. What are some names that you've tried to help kind of lift up above above everything else this yeah. month specifically? Yeah, this month specifically. Okay, yeah. I've been on like a huge Kenzie Jennings fan. Um, she wrote Red Station and Reception um, for Death's Head Press. Um, big on Haley Piper. Haley Piper writes um, everything. She can write cosmic horror. She can write um, slashers. She can write body horror. She has a collection coming out. She's amazing. I would definitely start off with The Worm and His Kings, which just came out. Ooh, I want to say it came out this year. Okay. I could be wrong. It could have been like the tail end of last year, but maybe this year. Um, Time's relative these days. Time yeah, like... no, it really is. It's like, <laughs> is it the weekend yet? I don't know. I live a weekend every day. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Cynthia Paleo. Um, she is like a, she's a poet, but she also writes novels and she also writes like in a young adult vein. Um, and also V Castro, V Castro writes very sultry, kind of sexy, um, creature features and slashers and things like that. Um, Kath Koja, I already mentioned, um, she had a re-release with the cipher, but she also had a collection come out, which I think is nominated for a Bram Stoker. Um, Anya Allborn is somebody that I got into. I read her, one of her novels called Brother. Um, and it's kind of like a, um, like a cannibal family. Uh, and they, they, they like adopted a, a, a kid into their cannibal family who like realizes that like, this isn't normal and he wants to get out of his cannibal family. <laughs> it's <do>. very, <laughs> very intense. It's a very intense, brutal read. It's really good. Um, um, Christy Demeester. Um, I'm always talking about Christy Demeester and Nadia Bulkin and Christine Morgan, um, Brian Keene's um, fiance or girlfriend or Mary San Giovanni uh, writes cosmic horror. She's like the queen of cosmic horror. Um, so yeah, I could go on all day. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. <laughs> I did stuff. write an article for Cemetery Dance with my top 20 um, female horror books. Awesome. Yeah, so they can check that out. That's good stuff. Um, I'm looking at the time here. Okay, okay, good. Um, so when when did so Women in Horror Month is fairly new? I want to say um, or no? I I mean I I only kind of started learning about it because I was doing a horror movie podcast at the time, and we were, and my co-host was like, we need to do something for Women in Horror Month. Um, when did specifically that? Start? Start or has that been a thing? Yeah, I want to say it's like while. in its twelfth year. Okay. Um, but for me personally, I only knew about it like three or four years ago. Yeah, I think I three or four years ago is for me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, they just released a statement this year saying that Women in Horror Month should be picked up as a movement that could be any month of the year. They don't want people just to focus on February anymore. Yeah. Um, because February is also Black History Month, and it's yeah. kind of like we need to spread it out. <laughs> right. What, so, which is almost why I've been kind of like it's been hard, you know, for like podcasts and stuff. It's like, uh, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't like having just one month. Oh, this is the month we focus on this, even for like yeah. for Black History Month. I mean, it's great. It, it is. It's fantastic. But you know, these are the types of voices we need to have elevated. I think all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. No. Yeah. I think people in the genre like really know that and promote that and, and respond to that and do that. Um, but I think it's mainly for like newcomers into the genre to see like, Hey, you know, for Halloween, a lot of people do this on bookstore and for Halloween, I'm going to be read horror for the whole month of October. Mm -hmm. And then they start gathering all these recommendations. So it's like, I put a huge push on all the horror in October, Mm -hmm. not because I only read horror in October, but because so many people do. And so women in horror month is more like for new people looking in the genre and being like, I've never read a woman in horror. I've been reading (laughs) horror for 40 years and never read a woman. And it's like, here, (laughs) saturate them with this, you know? (laughs) That's great. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it's a good thing elevating anyone voices, anyone's voices. You know, um, I'm a huge fan of, and um, I know that you on your website. I think you did. Um, you you are trying to do your favorite kind of. Uh, oh, where is it? Books for. Oh, where is it? Um, I'm having a oh 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 for uh, black voices. You put a a list up there on your website. I don't know how old this was. Your oh your the bookshop.org. Um, you oh yeah put up some uh, special like for each month some some books for people to check out. Yeah, so bookshop.org actually is really cool too because um, different people can go in there and curate lists for others. Um, based on, you know, your recommendations mm-hmm. for a specific like category. Um, so yeah, so I have one for uh, black horror authors. Um, and I also have one for women and I have one for, you know, summer. So there's like different themes yeah. and you could go in there and make as many lists as you want. Um, and it's just really kind of cool because I think to celebrate marginalized voices along with everything else, normalizes it in a way that you're not just being like, Hey, right now is a hot minute to talk about this thing. And then we're going to just move on to the status quo (laughs) for the rest of the year. So it's like, no, let's just normalize reading this stuff all the time and not make like, you know, this huge distinction between I'm reading a marginalized, you know, (laughs) communities books this week or whatever. Yeah. It's a good launch. I think it's a good launch pad, a good discussion starter. Um, definitely, like you said, for newcomers. But um, I didn't know you can do these um, these lists on Bookshop. That's great. Um, and, yeah, and, Bookshop pulls those books from independently owned right. uh, bookstores. So you know, if we could stop lining the pockets of Amazon yeah. and like you know send those funds to people who seriously need them, then that would be yeah. cool. That's a win win. Yeah, no, at bookshop.org. Um, you know, look at they don't the books don't arrive as fast as Amazon, okay? But no, um, they don't. They the the cost is very similar, and um, it's a great. I've discovered discovered quite a bit through just perusing bookshop.org and through like lists like those lists that you do. That's a great tool that you can't really find on Amazon. Amazon's just a big of just I don't know. Amazon's like they they just throwing everything out there. Yeah. See what sticks, and then there's algorithms and all that stuff. You need to like figure out, like as an author, like how am I going to get people to see this book? You know? Yeah, um, and it's really cool because if you sign up for an account through Bookshop to curate lists, um, so if you're just like a content creator, like you have a website, um, like Sci-Fi and Scary or the Ladies of Horror Fiction, <clears throat> they make lists as well, and then those. Um, books that they sell from their recommendations, their affiliate link, um, bookshop will give them a little cash, uh, 
into their account. And then that helps with their like website fees. Um, so, you know, websites who do all this promotion and stuff for free could actually make a little bit money of money back on their domain names and stuff, hosting very, fees. Very cool. Yeah, it's cool. We are starting to run out of time. So I want to close this out by talking about Death's Head Press because you just recently started working for them um, as a either a publicist or social yeah. media. So let's, let's talk a little bit about Death's Head Press. Because they're yeah, they've kind of so, emerged as a favorite, um, as a favorite publisher of mine. Those the splatter westerns they got that's oh, that's, that's kind of like their hear. that's their that's the thing that they really kind of hit the ground running with. I agree. Um, yeah, so like a traditional publicist would probably be in charge of setting up like events at bookstores and yeah. signings and stuff like that. So during the pandemic, I saw more of a need for people to have a social media presence. Um, and some publishers have other jobs, you know, mm -hmm. like we were talking about side hustle. Um, you know, a lot of these indie presses also are doing other things like the owners of grind or the owner of grindhouse press. I mean, she has a job, so yeah. that's kind of one of her side hustles. And if she is busy at work, she doesn't have time to promote books on her, social media platform. And so I just kind of was seeing this need in the community of just like more traction and more promotion from the publisher side of it. And I am already super passionate about Death Head Press, like you were saying, the mm -hmm. Splatter Westerns. And I was setting up book parties and review parties for the Splatter Western series already through Nightworms. Um, and so we just, in talking, I, I pitched him the idea of like, let me just help you on social media. Like you, you clearly like are busy and you have all this other obligations and you're trying to print books and you're trying mm -hmm. to sign deals. Let me take care of the part I already know how to do really well. Um, and I can just do that for you. And so, um, yeah, I'm working doing their social media, their Instagram and their Twitter specifically, but also helping like organize reviews and, and set that up because I have a connection with reviewers on Bookstagram and yeah. and Twitter. So yeah, they 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 really um they really did find like a, a niche for themselves with these splatter westerns. Um, and I it's like they're the, I think they're the only ones doing that sort of thing right now. Um, do you think it's important for like a for a publisher to kind of you know, Grindhouse Press? They're kind of these short little you know what you're getting with a Grindhouse Press. Yeah. Death's Head Press, you know, they, they have those. They do more than just those, but that kind of has kind of skyrocketed with the popularity. Do you, I mean, is it just because like nobody's done it before? It was the right time? Like what? <laughs> I mean, they were, that, that? It, they had like a perfect storm with the Splatter Westerns because like you said, they're, they've garnered um, eight Splatter Punk Award nominations for 2020 um, and Tons of Splatter Western books were nominated by fans. I mean, so readers are really into them. Their collectible is yeah. one of their main things. Um, those covers by Justin so, T. Coons are like so damn good, <laughs> right? I mean, you want to hang that artwork I on want your all head. of them. I want to hang them. Yeah. I don't know where I'd put them, but I want them all. I want posters. Yeah, no, all. they're so so good. And so I think it's just a matter of you know, people already love Western and then mm -hmm. you add the element of horror and suspense and gore in, in a, in a genre that people already are nostalgic about, like with mm -hmm. Westerns. And it's just like the perfect thing. And so it's really cool to see Jared and Patrick like develop that series into something that, um, 
they're like currently looking for a more like variety and diverse voices to bring to the table. Like, you know, like some Mexican Americans and indigenous Americans and just, you know, different voices that can add to the Western perspective and, and not just be these cowboys. Um, but also like the people on the other side of the coin who, um, you know, need, need their voices to be heard too. Um, So the potential for that is insane too. Cause like the, I mean, those stories actually would lend more to the horror side of things anyway, just because like, especially the indigenous, you know, people's like, like there's so many stories, you know, I mean, I don't know. Sky's the limit with this stuff, but, but that, I mean, I'm all about that for sure. Um, it reminds me of, uh, Oh gosh. Um, these splatter Westerns remind me of, uh, of bone, the movie bone Tomahawk. Oh yeah. 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 So it's like, imagine I mean, I like a it, whole but... <laughs> series of books with that vibe. Yeah. Which there's a few, like that's, that's the thing. There's a few Western horror, but Westerns generally modern Westerns, I guess with the exception of like tombstone uh-huh. haven't, I'm, 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 uh, are hot pockets good for me? I'm in the middle of a. Uh-huh. I'm in the <laughs> no, hot of pockets are good for you. <laughs> no, they're not good for you. They will make your stomach hurt. Oh. <laughs> You're eating one right now. <laughs> oh, oopsies! You'll be fine. They're perfect. They're like it's like broccoli. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I thought I would get through this video without any interruptions, and I think we my, almost my, did actually. My, my other, I know my well, my other son was over here, and I was going. You know, and he's like, and he said some little smart ass remark and, and walked off. So I don't know what it so I'll have to hear, see if he, uh, see what he said when I leave. I don't, I don't edit these. This is, this is a, this is a, what is what Hey, it's, it's totally, yeah, um, it's, it's authentic. So anyway, um, what was I saying? Oh, Westerns in particular, film wise, don't seem to sell. Nobody's like, well, you know, they don't do many Westerns. And even like books, like West, like the whole, like the Western genre, people like it, but. I've never seen like the Western kind of explode like these, you know, it's just that, that combination just, yeah. just seems to have, uh, people seem to have really, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it, so it's great. Westerns really do lend themselves to horror. Like you were yeah. saying, I mean that, yeah, there is just like a lot of hardship and a lot of, you know, just kind of that whole mentality of like the wild, wild West where anything goes and there's not, there's a lot of lawlessness and a lot of like bad dudes running around and, you know, women weren't treated well and like nobody but white cowboys were treated well. (laughs) So it's just kind of like, you know, there's a lot of room and a lot of space there to, uh, explore. And, and I mean, I love when you mentioned the idea of the, you know, uh, uh, some books, revolving around more of the indigenous uh, native Americans. Um, because if you look at like film and I was just thinking about this the other day, um, somebody had posted something about it on, on social media. Whereas every movie that people think is lifting up like, well, that's, that's a movie about, you know, native Americans. Well, you look at the main star and it's like some white dude, <laughs> like yeah. the main, it's Christian Bale or it's whatever. I mean, the, now the point of the story is how, you know, mistreated and how, you know, how Amer- how Americans came in and we didn't mistreated that the population that was here first, but all these movies are starring like white guys. Yeah, so, sure, sure. I mean, yeah, um, I the mean, idea of just you know getting that out of the way and hearing a full story from that perspective is 
you know, I, I would, I, I would love to see that. Yeah, I agree. And, 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 uh, Jared and Patrick are very much about that too. So yeah. it's really cool to see the different, um, the different people that they're signing on to, to write stories for 2022. Yeah. It's really cool. I don't know if anything's been announced yet, but I know that, uh, that a, a, a Jewish author, uh, uh, may be having a splatter Western. I'm not going to make a full announcement. Cause I don't think it's, well, and yeah. this month, actually, um, Regina Garza Mitchell is releasing one, um, and that's going to be from a Mexican American perspective. Awesome. So, definitely, cool. definitely excited for that. Very cool. Well, um, I have to. My, my kids are. My kids are. Uh, are. It's like lunchtime. Hunting at the door. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they say that our cupboards are stocked. Everybody, they, <laughs> our kids aren't. My kids are not starving. They just want someone to provide it for them. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've been so. having your little party in here and now it's time for their, <laughs> their like, time. It's my time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Sadie Harmon, thank you so much for talking to me about, uh, and to me, to us, to all of us listening and watching um, about what you do about nightworms. Um, is it just nightworms.com? Yeah. Nightworms.com. Um, it was really great to be on the show with you and, um, if you ever like want to advertise audiobooks from hell, um, you know, on, in the package or whatever you want to want to do that, you could hit me up. Um, do that. I've been thinking about making stickers. So yeah, see, we just <laughs> and everyone should know that if you have a horror related business or you know your podcast or your uh, uh, whatever, but you you're you're passionate about horror, we just put those in there for free. It costs you just to print them and send them to us. Yeah. And then we'll just put those That's in great. there for free. So, and I've, I've discovered so much good stuff. Like, like the books are just part of it. I've discovered an amazing tea company, mm -hmm. um, some great coffee yep. and, and I kind of, and, and everyone has their social media and I kind of follow everybody that I can, that's listed and, uh, and it's a fantastic, I mean, that's, the, that's the great thing about it is it's a fantastic marketing opportunity for, for someone in a horror adjacent business. Um, but it's also like for, for just discovery purposes, I've discovered so much great stuff just by being a member. So it's like, I mean, it's like, I think an average of what, 40 bucks a month or something like that, but that's like two, three books plus a bunch of cool stuff and plus yeah. discovery. It's like, it's a no brainer. Yeah. And, thank uh, you so much for saying that. I mean, that's really what we're shooting for too, is just, we don't want to saturate people with like too much crap. So it's like, yeah. it's all stuff that you can use or you can use at one time, like drink that yeah. coffee or use that sticker, but then it's like a one and done. You don't have to have that crap everywhere all over your house. So it's, fun it's funny. It's like, I kind of spread the stickers among my kids, the kids who are more, my daughter, excuse me, is really into horror. So I'll kind of give her a sticker and, uh, or a bookmark. And, um, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, she's I love she's that. the avid reader of, uh, of the family. Me and her are kind of the, the avid re readers. So That's we'll cool. Use, we'll always collect bookmarks. Um, all right. Well, all right. You can go to nightworms.com. Sadie's information is right. Let's see if I can get this right. Oh, um, there yeah. under, under her right there. Um, Sadie Hartman over here at Sadie Hartman on Twitter. <laughs> Is it the same on uh, well Instagram? We want people to follow Nightworms. Mother That's Horror, the... Nightworms. Okay. That's Google pretty much that everywhere. You'll, yep. you'll find Sadie. Yep. You'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Sadie. Well, thank you so much for talking okay, to me today. Thanks, and, Sean. Uh, we'll talk again soon, I'm sure. Uh, okay. Sounds good. <laughs>